0: what's up everybody welcome to the combo church podcast my name is craig and my name is kara and we are the lead pastors of combo church if you are listening on ComboChurch.com, itunes or spotify make sure you subscribe follow and like we love it when you share with your family and friends and we would love it if you would leave us a great review our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose encourage life and build faith in you enjoy Enjoy the the message. message Are y'all ready for, uh, ready for the word a little bit today? Okay, good. Y'all are already making noise, so that's good. That's good. If you, if you saw the sign when you came in, it's, uh, we are a loud church, and we're okay with that. You don't have, We're not in a library. We're not at a funeral. Uh, so you can be loud. You can say amen when it's the right time to say amen. You can say mm-hmm. You can say preach that. Uh, if, if there's any hankies available and you know what to do with it, then I don't even have to tell you. So... If you don't, then, then just don't do anything with it. You can ask somebody later. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, but we're going to go ahead. We are in the midst of, as a church, 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. And we do this every year around this time. And it's connected to our, our fall Heart for the House season. Heart for the House is when, as a church, we come together. As, as I said, we spend time in prayer and fasting And at the end of that time, we come together and we sow a miracle offering into what God's going to do for the upcoming year. And so we've been going through this Heart for the House series for a couple of weeks. All right, well, let's start off right now. Let's go straight to the Bible. I've got one verse that I want to lead into today with. It's in John chapter 10, verse 10. Uh, That's in in the New Testament, one of the Gospels in the New Testament, the book of John chapter 10, verse 10. And in the the Passion Translation, it says it this way. It says, a a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come, this is Jesus speaking, I have come to give you everything in abundance more than you expect. Somebody say everything in abundance. When we see these all-encompassing words like all or everything, let's not sell that short. Well, let's let's not try to make that... Um, Makes sense to our context. Let's allow our context to be broadened to a much bigger kingdom perspective of what God is trying to do. Everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Amen. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the title of this message today. If you're taking notes, and hopefully you are, uh, we always encourage that because it gives you the opportunity to go back later and and look over what it was that either we were speaking or that God may have been speaking to you. But today the title of this message is, What Test? Question mark. What test? Um, my, My best day of school was the day I realized I didn't have to go back to school, only to find out as a young adult that School never stops, it's just the classroom that changes, right? Which is sometimes really unfortunate. He's like, I thought I was going to get a break. like, no, the textbook changes, the classroom changes, but school never stops. But how many of you remember that moment where you would come to class and maybe, I don't know, you didn't pay attention great the last couple of times and you walk in and you see the other students and they got got, uh, books are open and they're kind of scrambling and you kind of come in and the teacher says, all right, everybody close the books it's time for the tests. And then to that you say, what test? (laughs) Exactly. What test? Right. And so um, I don't know if you knew this or not, but there is a test that God has designed for every single one of us. And we take it every single time that we get paid. We take that test every single time that we get paid. In just a moment, we're going to go to Malachi chapter 3, which is the last book of the Old Testament. And we're going to dive into a little bit today. But but I, I think we don't realize that. There, there is a test that is for every single person. It happens all the time. And when you know the cheat sheet, it's easy to pass this test. And my prayer today is that as we go through Scripture, and it's going to be quite a bit of Scripture, but we'll do it within our time, is that we will see how to pass, and not just pass, some of y'all are like, C plus, that's how I pass. Like, all right, maybe, we're going for A's. This is, this is kind of a, almost a pass-fail, but once you get the cheat sheet, it's, it's easy to see what God is doing, why he's doing it, and what he's trying to do in us, and the fruit of what happens when we begin to pass that test. So the test isn't just what, what do you do when you get paid, the test is actually this, what or whom will you think and will you worship with the first 10%? It's a, I think it should be noted, just for those that are starting to sweat in their hands as we talk about this a little bit. Uh, this was not put together by a preacher. We will see as we go through scripture, this is actually something that was put together by God. And that's a good thing. Because when we start getting into what man is putting together, we get ourselves in trouble. But when we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to what God's putting together, it opens up possibilities. Now, here's here's the thing. God created this test um, before the law. He created this test, and it exists in the law. This test happens after the law, and it happens in the New Testament. And the reason why I wanted to say that is because I believe when it comes to this concept of tithing, when it comes to giving of the thing that for many people is, I'm holding my wallet, is most dear and precious to us because we work so hard, and I got things, I got goals, I got dreams, I got bills, uh, we begin to understand is that god is trying to unlock something in us that isn't just about the law it's not just about the old testament and we're going to break that down today are you guys are, are you guys okay already it sounds like you're doing okay all right we won't we won't cut it off yet there's a um there there's an there's an issue when we begin to pick and choose moments in scripture maybe that are in old testament that may or may not apply to life now now for example there are principles in the old testament that were in the law and in the Old Testament that are still principles today. For example, committing adultery is in the law, but committing adultery is also not okay today. Can I get an amen? Amen. Just making sure. Okay, good. I don't know if I needed to pause there and go any deeper with that particular one. And so and there are many principles within the law, within the Old Testament, that were good then and they still apply now. And we're going to get into that as well. So go ahead if you're in Malachi, chapter three. We're going to start in verse six. And uh, and for some of these verses, we're just going to kind of go verse by verse and break these down before we get into uh, some of the particular points that we got today. So let's start in verse six, Matthew. Sorry, Malachi chapter three, verse six. And this is God speaking to the nation of Israel, and He says, "I am the Lord, and I do not change." Does God change? Good. I mean, it's, he, he made that. He was very clear. Sometimes you wish God was more clear, but then there are sometimes he, he wants to make sure it's absolutely clear. I am the Lord. I do not change. And this is, next one's kind of a little bit humorous to me. And that is why you, descendants of Jacob, are not already destroyed. Wow. What is he saying? He's saying, I don't change. And even though maybe you've lived in a way that doesn't please me, you need to know that I am gracious that I am loving, that I am kind, and I am compassionate, I am long-suffering. He's basically saying, hey, I'm God, I don't change, and I love you, and that's why I haven't killed you yet. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, but listen, the personhood of God does not change. For something to change, it means that it needs to improve. It means that it wasn't compatible for what happens next, and so it has to change so it becomes compatible for what is coming next. God doesn't need to change because he is everything that is needed before and in the time to come. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's why he doesn't need to change. The things that need to change are what? Us. Why? Because we're brought into this world imperfect. We're brought into this world with a sin nature, all of us. Paul tells us in Romans very clearly, all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. So that means that none of us get to put ourselves on a pedestal above other people. We're just living by grace. We're living in faith. We're, we're growing. We're on a journey. And yeah, maybe some of us are further along than others, but it's not about better. It's about journey. And so we need to make sure that that's the context that we're moving forward. So verse 7, Malachi 3, 7, it says, Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. In the New King James Version, it says, You have gone away from my ordinances. Now, we've heard that word before, kind of like in, in in the civic part of our culture, an ordinance. An ordinance, the root word there is ordinary. An ordinary. So so basically what God is saying here is that an ordinance is a principle of ordinary behavior. It's, an, it's a principle of ordinary behavior. So for example, you may live in an area where uh, they want you to keep your grass cut, right? Or they may not want a bunch of, you know, trash piling up on your yard or, you know, whatever it may be. And if that happens, you may get an, uh, a piece of paper citing an ordinance that is an ordinary principle of behavior that they expect for the people living in a particular area. And so that's, that's what the picture that is being painted here. God is saying, you have, you have gone away from obeying the principles of ordinary behavior as my children. And you have to understand this because, for example— stealing was the law, but is stealing okay today? Go up and grab somebody's purse and be like, it's, no, it's okay, that was, that was under the law. We're living under grace now. You're like, you're about to live under, if you don't give me my purse. In verse eight, or actually no, before that, you know, God says, now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Throughout this, this reference, you're gonna see over and over again, God letting you know that it's him who's talking. So there's no confusion about who's talking right now. In verse 8, God responds to him and says, Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? Now, the God who cannot change says that you have been robbing me. This is an ordinary principle for my kids. It's ordinary for you to thank me for your income, because without me you wouldn't have it. And you have to understand, probably the same way that most of us hear this the first time is the same way that the Israelites heard it when it was given to them. Because their response was, "Uh, how have we robbed you? How have we robbed you, God? And he says, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. Verse 9. And he says, because of that, this is a fun one. It says, you are cursed with a curse. Now, first of all, please know this. It does not say that God puts you on a curse. It does not say that God is cursing you, but that we live in a cursed world. Here's what a curse is. When you say, I mean, we just had Halloween yesterday. So uh, you think curse, you think, you know, the cauldron, the broom, the thing, the eye of newt. You, that's, you're like, oh, it's a curse. You know, I cur-. No, a curse is to live outside of the blessing of God. I mean, I personally can't think of any other greater curse than to live outside the blessing of God. So it's not God up here saying, I've cursed you. You are cursed. No, he's saying you have stepped away from the ordinary principle that I have called you to in this test. And because of that, have stepped out from under the blessing that I desire to give you. Now you are putting yourself back into a cursed system that I cannot bless. Because the cursed world that we live in is the world that lives under the rule of Satan. It said the, the Bible tells us that he is the, uh, the principality and the power of these heirs where we live in this world. And so we don't have to live under that authority because of the power of Jesus Christ. When we come into relationship with God, it gives us the opportunity to walk within the blessing of God. But he says you are cursed with a curse. And something that Christians need to understand is that you can be saved for eternity yet still live cursed in this life. Because God's not just, the goal is not just to get you to heaven. The goal is to get you to bring heaven on earth through your relationship with God and through how you live in this world. So God is looking to unlock the realities of heaven and he's looking for people that he can, who will steward that kingdom. He's looking for people who will handle the things of God and the things that God owns that he can funnel through them so that they can enact the things of God here on earth. And so there are things that, that, especially when it comes to money, that tie to our heart and to our our, our our broken nature that we are constantly working on. That we're constantly like, all right, I'll submit that to you. Okay, okay. All right, I kind of want to. We sing, it's crazy because we sing these songs, God, I give you my heart, I give you everything. Except for that 10%. That's a little bit much. I'm not stepping on toes yet, right? We're still happy and love each other and all that. Okay. But he says, you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And this is the fourth time throughout this passage that God says you have robbed me. And there's, you gotta understand, there's a di- even a terminology, there's a difference between robbery and theft. Theft is when you break into a house and there's nobody there and you steal something and, and go. Robbery is when you literally take something off of a person. God is saying in this context with that word robbery, he's like, you have, you've come into my house and you have taken something literally from me that I have set apart for my church, and you're using it for yourself. You have robbed me of something that I am trying to actually bless you with. So he kind of lays out, here's the problem, here's why things are broken, and then he brings it to a solution. You need to know something about God. God is always going to bring brokenness to a place of a solution. Every single time. God never says, hey, you're messed up and broken, and then just walks away from you. He says, you're messed up, hurting, broken, you're full of sin, and I'm gonna send my son to die for you. He always brings a solution every single time. And so in in verse 10 of Malachi uh, 3, in verse 10, it says, Now bring all, there's that word, all, everything, anything. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is the church. That there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Guys, you're, you're gonna get fed in this house. And it's not because of my preaching or anybody else's preaching. I think it's the heart of our house. You're gonna be fed. But when it comes to the context of spiritual and physical, uh, the, you know, the, in the spiritual sense, the, the prayer and the work and the sacrifice and the service that everybody puts into a church community. But in the context of, of the physical things, it's, it's, it's bringing, that, bringing the tithe into the storehouse, into the church, sets us up to continue to be a place where not only can we be spiritually fed, but we become a storehouse for our region. One of the reasons why I believe the, the church culture in our, in our nation struggles so much in being, being a solution to the brokenness in our cities and in our nation is because we're not talking about this. It's too scary. It offends people too easily, and so we stay away from it, and, we, and I've been guilty of this. We use terms like, you know, it's no big deal, just do what you can, and, and, what, and which it's great because there are some people that kind of need, you got to take baby steps, right? It's, you're like, okay, I don't know about 10%, but maybe 2%, you know, there was some testimony last week about that, but it's a progress of moving in the right direction, but in, 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 we, we shy away from the truth of what Scripture is telling us, and we try to make everybody okay and happy and comfortable, and, and that, you know, there, I, I love comfort. I love recliners. I don't have one. I want to get one. They're great. But there's something about different aspects of our life and our relationship with God where comfort is not the goal. Surrender is the goal. And when surrender becomes the goal for you and for I, the things that we surrender no longer really become of any difficulty because we realize who we are surrendering to. And when we realize I'm not surrendering to a preacher or to an organization or to a man-made mindset, but I'm actually surrendering and putting my trust in the creator of the universe, the one who bled and died for my salvation, then there should be a sense of peace that comes over you in what you are surrendering to him. This is going to be a place that God uses to feed our region, physically, spiritually. Man, there is so much more. I mean, we're, we're still new, I get it. But there's so much more that we want to do and accomplish as a church. And if you're here today and it's like, wow, you know, two years old as a church, you got your own place, you guys must be feeling pretty good. Listen, uh, this, this doesn't mean anything. This doesn't mean that we've arrived at, 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 in any way, shape, or form. What this means is that now we have a place where we can put our efforts and our energy more into people then into setting up and tearing down in trailers and five o'clock in the morning and three o'clock in the afternoon. You know, It's less about that, and now it's more about what we can invest in the people. But I also know that this is simply just this location is a stopping ground for what God wants to do. We want a storehouse that will reach our region. We want to be able to feed physically and spiritually the people of our region in any way that God calls us to and to be able to respond when he speaks. A lot of now, what happens in the church culture of our nation is God speaks, and then we're like, "Oh, well, now we got to get ready. Now we got to convince everybody that we've been gentle on about what God says about money and giving. And now we got to talk about it. Now it's now it's not just uncomfortable; it's awkward. And and now now they're gonna throw us into the category are y'all just them prosperity people? Because all you talk about, you know, and it gets weird because it wasn't a normal part of our life. And I think God, and this isn't just a convo. I'm starting to see this in many places. I think God is trying to wake up the heart of the ordinary principle or the ordinary practices of God's kids because we would be, we don't know what, we don't know what supernatural really is. If we, if we all began to tithe and all the churches, the people in the churches of our region began to tithe, we would be able to write a beautifully loving letter to the legislative department of our state and say, guys, guess what? You don't need your programs anymore. You, you can lower taxes now. Why? We got it. Well, we need to feed. No, we got it. Well, there's, there's a lot of kids in the foster. Nope, they're in our homes. Well, we got to do this. over. Nope, we've got it covered. Well, we're trying to do this and that. No, you guys just do what you do. We're, we've got it covered. Why? Because the church began to step up and be with the church. Now, check this out. That's not even talking about offering. Offering is above and beyond the tithe. This is just talking about how with the tithe, there will be enough food in the, storehouse, in the storehouses for the whole city. So what we think now... Is above and beyond, and it would be crazy if all of us tithe. Can you imagine what would happen? That's just the ordinary, basic foundation level of what could be unlocked in our world if we would just do the ordinary. But God is a extraordinary. He's not natural. He is supernatural, and so we 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 gotta we gotta crush that ordinary right so that then we can truly get a vision and, a, and an idea of what it looks like to operate in the extraordinary with God. So instead of being the place where people shy away from, we are the first place they come because they, they know that they're going to get help. They know they're going to get what their soul needs. And uh, it also says there uh, verse, in verse 10 and then into 11, this, it says, God says, try me in this. Now, it needs to be said, this is the only place in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation where God says, try me. It's in the area of giving. It's in the area of your finances. Now, every one of us knows that we like to try God in many areas of life. (laughs) And we've all been guilty of it. And I would not recommend that because he hasn't given us permission in any other area of life to say, try me in this. But this one area, he says, try me And see if I don't, the same word try me is is used in other uh, translations as test and prove. And in the original language, that's a word that they used when it came like silver and gold. They would try it. They would test it to make sure that it was pure. So what God is telling us right here is see if I'm not pure about what I'm telling you in this area. See if I'm not going to do what I, see if I'm not a liar. See if I'm not really going to do what I said I'm going to do, but you got to step out in faith and trust me. You have to not just try it, but you have to step out and begin to live in it, and you get to watch what God's going to do. Cool thing is it's a two-way test. It's testing us, but God says test me. So we get to test God in this as well. All right, verse 12, it says, And all the nations will call you blessed. You know something? The church is not supposed to just be a blessing for our city and for our region. We have a call to the nations. Something you need to know about Pastor Kara and myself, we have a heart and a passion for the nations. Now, here's the cool thing is that when our storehouse overflows, it's not just about us. But when we begin to live in the ordinary principles of God, we become a blessing to the nations, We're concerned about our nation, and we should. This is our nation. This is where we live. But the impact isn't going to be just on our nation. It's going to be on the nations. And they will call God's people blessed. Why? Because they are experiencing some of that blessing. They're starting to see, wow, this Jesus thing might be more than just a religious thing. Because these people who call themselves Jesus people are starting to act and operate in a way that kind of looks like what I would think Jesus would look like and how he would operate and what he would do. Amen. And we begin to bless the nations around us. Guys, listen, we, we're going to go to the nations. We're going to do crazy things. And how it's going to happen, God can figure that out. All we have to do is continue to say yes. But you just need to know that's part of the heart for who we are. So we, we go through these verses in Malachi and... and um, and we have to remember, this is the God that does not change, right? That was kind of the first thing that he established. And, uh, but over the years, I have, and maybe you have too, and maybe it's actually been uh, part of a, a theological argument for yourself. You're like, yeah, but that's, that's Old Testament, and, and that's, that's in the law, and, and we're in the New Testament now. And Jesus, you know, Jesus came, and so that did away with the Old Testament, which that's, that's actually not what happened. In Jesus' own words, he said, I, did, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to do away with it. I, I fulfilled it. And he goes, anyone who would, who would remove even one letter of the law is guilty of breaking all of them. You're like, wow, that's a pretty specific statement for someone who came and somehow a, a teaching has gotten into our church world that has painted a picture that is opposite of what Jesus has taught. And, and this isn't the only area where this has happened, but, but I want us to kind of make sure that we paint a picture from literally from Genesis to Revelation on how God has communicated consistently about tithing so that we can know hopefully how to move forward right away. So here's, here's number one. If you're back to the notes, tithing is a test. Remember we started off what test? Tithing is a test. God is testing you every single time you get paid. And, it's, and the, the, this is actually a principle that's in the New Testament. And we'll, we'll kind of get to that scripture. I'll tease it and we'll get to it here in a minute. But tithing, the word tithe actually means ten or a tenth. That's by definition what that word actually means. Now, if you, for some of the, the Bible scholars, you like this for fun, the word ten in Scripture is always representative of a test. And I'll prove it to you. Check this out. We're going to have a little bit of fun with this. How many, uh, how many how many, plagues, some of y'all will know. If you don't, you can just kind of play along. It's in there. We'll show. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten. Somebody like 9, uh, eleven, nine, ten. I was that kid in class when everyone else was like gave the answer. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew that one. We could have also, because what God actually said was, How many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? It's the same thing. All right, so here's a couple more. How many, how many commandments were there? Unless you're Mel Brooks and he had 15, dropped one. that's so great. It's good stuff. Um all right, here's a few more, and again, you can follow along with the pattern. Come on, y'all, so only some of y'all are participating. Y'all know we like it. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten. Ten. That's in Numbers 14, if you want to look it up. How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten. Ten. Yes, I'm not tricking you yet. How many times were, was Daniel tested? Ten. Ten. Y'all are getting quiet. It's still the same answer. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? Ten. Okay, there you go. All right. How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation chapter 2? How many disciples were there? 10. Oh, got you. Okay. It's 12. Sorry. See, some of y'all kind of knew that was coming, which is why you weren't saying 10, because you're like, he's going to do something at some point, and I don't want to be the one. I really heard my wife's voice, actually, when you said 10. Okay. Quite quite strongly. Oh, thanks, babe. I love you. You're the best. <laughs> But still people say, okay, yeah, that's, that's great, but that's, that's law, that's Old Testament. Now, let me show you, and not to, be, not to be too blunt, but let me show you how ridiculous the thought is of the reality of the truth in the Old Testament not being relative to today. It goes back to the same thing we mentioned one or two times. Now, in the law, it, tithing is a part of the law, but tithing actually precedes the law by as much as 500, and some would even say 2,000 years. And we'll get to that in a second, but if I were to come up to you and say, "You know what that same principle you know all well, tithing was in the law, it's not for today okay that's that's fine okay um is is murder okay today no, that was in the law is stealing okay today well you know if if the situation no don't even don't do that um uh, no it it's still not okay what about what about adultery no, it's still not okay today what about uh, what about um, honoring the Lord your God with all your heart? That's, we don't have to do that today. That was in the law, right? No. It is an ordinary principle of behavior for God's children. And just because it was in the law doesn't mean that it is no longer good now. Here's the cool thing. it was If those things were bad in the law, they're bad now. Guess what? Things that were good in the law are still good now. Y'all have waited long enough. Let's get into the New Testament stuff. Here's number two. Tithing is biblical. So when we use that word biblical, this is, what, this is what it means. It's not just, well, there's one verse or one word or one phrase that I can take and make my own thing. It's biblical. No. Biblical means it is something that has been consistent throughout Scripture. That's, how it's something, that's when you say something is biblical. Tithing is biblical, meaning it's a consistent teaching through Scripture. So many think that the only reference to tithing is in Malachi chapter 3, and and again, we like, oh, that's Old Testament, that's connected to law. But there's there's actually tons, and we don't have time to read them all today. The the word tithing or tithe is mentioned 41 times in the Bible. Less than half of those are in the law. Um, Eight of them, eight times tithing is mentioned in the New Testament, and one of those times it's in red. And what that means is that it's the words of Jesus. So we're like, where, you know, Jesus didn't say it, we're going to prove it today. We're going to get to it. But here's, here's to kind of paint some more of the history. Um, 500 years before the law, this is in Genesis chapter 14, and it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, which Melchizedek, if you, if you know the history, he's referenced in Hebrews, which is New Testament. He's introduced in Genesis. Melchizedek, it was said of him that there was no beginning, there was no end, there was no trace of parents. He is a, he is a, a type of Christ that was shown in the Old Testament. And it says that Melchizedek, the where I lost my play, here we are, uh, king of Salem, Salem means peace, so he's, he's the king of peace, he's the king of righteousness, so we kind of know who that is, right, it's Jesus, brought out some bread and wine, he was the priest of God most high, and he blessed him, talking about Abram, and he said, blessed be Abram, who would become Abraham, y'all are getting some Bible lesson this morning, of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, God is, not Abraham. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abraham, gave a tithe of all to Melchizedek. That's 500 years before God spoke the law to Moses. Now, here's the question that I have. Explain theologically to me how something, how tithing came 500 years before the law. I'll explain it for you. You were hoping so. Because murder was wrong before the law showed up. And tithing was right before the law showed up. It was a principle that was in existence before there was even a covenant promise between God and Abraham. Tithing was already an example. Genesis 28, we're still before the law, 420 years before the law. And it says, and this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a 10th to you. Leviticus 2730, it says, in all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Holy means set apart. It is for the Lord. Now in the New Testament, now here's here's the question. Here's the question for us today. So I I gave you some Old Testament stuff and it proved that it was there, but we still want to bring it into our, our era, right? The New Testament time. So let me ask you this question. If Jesus himself In the flesh, walk through the door. Long flowing robe, sash, you know, all all those things. And he came up to you and he said, tithing is for today. Would you tithe? Would you trust him? And I think we all would like to say that we would, because like I said before, we sing the songs. God, I trust you with everything. I give you my heart. I give you my all. I give you everything. Almost everything. Everything. Because we know that the things connected to sustaining ourselves in this world are connected to finances. And it is super tangible, isn't it? For some of us, more than others. Or different seasons of life, right? Way more than others. I know there's been so many times for me and Kara over the years where we had to make choices between do we get groceries to feed our kids or do we tithe and trust God to provide? Do we pay our electric bill that's about to be overdue Or do we tithe anyway and trust God to figure this out? And by the grace of God, we have been able to say, you know what, we're gonna trust God. And every single time, every single time, there's never been one moment where God did not come through and take care of us in those situations. So we can, please, your pastors can relate to you when it comes to the real deal about making hard decisions about, listen, I hear what you're saying, but for me, it's a question of food on the table or not. It's a question of clothes on the backs of my kids or not. It's a question of whether I can send my kid to a sports camp or whether he gets to watch all of his friends go or not. Like, I get that and I relate to that. But I'm here to give you a testimony that, that listen, God is going to prove himself when you test him in this. He wants you to, and we'll, we'll we'll even unpack why a little bit later. But if Jesus came to you in the flesh and said, will you trust me in this, would you? And here's the scripture, Matthew 23, 23. And this is Jesus in red letters. He says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and Pharisees, hypocrites. This is a great moment, probably very peaceful. It says, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes. Wait, what? Wait, hold on, this there's gotta be something wrong here. No, no, that's right. It says that. Jesus says, You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. See, Pastor, Jesus even said, Justice, mercy, and faith are more important. All right, well, let me let me read this in the in the New King James version because you'll see some verbiage here. Woe to you. I like the woe. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. So get hypocrites in there. For you pay a tithe of mint and anise, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of law, of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Check this out. These you ought to have done without leaving the other undone. You're like, well, it's, he's he's not talking about tithing. He's talking about the justice and the mercy and the faith. Well, either way, how you look at this, he goes, do one, but don't undo the other one. Do both. Yes, you should tithe. And you're like, well, it's still like, he hadn't gone to the cross yet and, and all that. Most, there are many scholars who would say that when you see in the book of Acts, you see the New Testament church starting to talk about, hey, guys, we just got to give whatever we can give just to survive. And it says people were selling pieces of property and, and giving that money to the church. There are scholars who would argue that the reason why they had to dig so deep to survive and to give generously as a church in the early days was because they were still Jews in a Jewish system and they were still tithing. And Jesus is rebuking the religious leaders because they tied on everything, but they rejected justice and mercy, and they rejected faith. But this is one of the things, since we know that he is saying, do both. Don't just cancel one out and do the other, and don't replace it, but do both. Do one without undoing the other one. And this is where we can have confidence in this passage, because number one, it's in red. It's Jesus speaking. Number two, it's in context with the biblical teaching of tithing, and three, it is in the New Testament. And there's seven other New Testament references, but this is the one that comes straight from the mouth of Jesus. In Hebrews 7, 8, guess what? Melchizedek gets referenced again. We're talking about him, but this is, again, painting the picture of him being the type of Christ. Are you guys okay? You're hanging in there? We're digging deep today, guys, but we gotta lay this foundation, and I hope it's coming across. Hebrews 7, 8, it says, Here, mortal men receive tithes. Here, we're mortal men, women, we're people, in your church, physical tithes, it says, but there, speaking of heaven, he receives them. Yes. Of whom it is witnessed that he lives. So we're talking about Jesus. Jesus literally is receiving your tithe. You may not ball it up and chuck it up and he grabs it. We, we go through, because you don't give to a church. You need to know that. You never give to a church. You give through a church. You give through a church where God has planted you and you've put roots down, and, but, but Jesus is the one receiving the tithe. And here's the cool thing. The New Testament tells us that, number one, Jesus is himself receiving it and that tithing is a witness to the resurrection that Jesus is still alive. Why? Because our king is alive. Yeah. Yeah. And before the law existed, people would bring tithes to conquering kings. And our king is still alive, and he is on the throne in heaven, and our tithe bears witness to the living God that we worship, our king of kings and our Lord of lords, and we still bring it to him, and we worship him with it, and our tithe literally celebrates the reality of the life that Jesus still lives. Pastor Karen and I have been doing ministry together for almost 20 years now. In January, we'll be married 20 years and um, and that's just really all we knew. We're like, we're married. Now what? Oh, let's start serving and doing something. And uh, and that's been our life. And and in that team, in that time, we've seen two testimonies about about tithing. From those who have tithed faithfully over the years, whether it's new and it's been faithful, or whether you've done it for however long, we hear we are so blessed. We are so blessed. Are there challenges? Yeah. Are there struggles? Yeah. Tithing doesn't mean that pixie dust gets sprinkled and all of a sudden everything goes away. No but it's just this reality that we are so blessed and, and God is taking care of us. And the other testimony that we hear from people who struggle with this area is, man, we just, we just can't afford to tithe. We just can't, I wish I could, you know, as soon as that promotion comes, as soon as I pay off this bill, man, then, then I'm gonna do it and, and then we'll be able to afford. But here, here's the thing, you'll never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Here's why. That's not just some preacher statement. Listen, here's why. Because when you tithe, tithing removes the curse. Tithing rebukes the devourer. Is it okay if God rebukes the devil for you? Yeah. Man, don't we waste so much energy walking around rebuking the devil and kicking the demons out. Da, 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 da. I'd rather just kinda oh, you. And keep going and let God rebuke him for me. Yeah. Yeah. Be like, oh, I know you wanna I know you wanna steal, kill, destroy. I know you don't like what we're doing for the Lord. I know you wanna distract us and, and whatever, but God's going to take care of you. We're just going to go this way. And let God rebuke the devil for you. Amen. So tithing removes the curse. Tithing rebukes the devourer, and tithing restores the blessing. Amen. That's why you'll never be able to afford to tithe faithfully until you begin to tithe. And some of you today will walk out of here, and you'll take it to heart, and you're going you're gonna to start down this journey. And I'm excited for you. Yes. And there are others that maybe you'll still struggle with it. And in my prayers I hope you continue to wrestle with it. Because just like any topic that we would ever talk about in this church, man, we're never going to go back, check computers, look at them and be like, well, I guess they didn't listen to what we were talking about today. Good Lord. We don't do that. That's not, how we, that's not how we roll. We present the realities of what the Word of God says, and we try to lead you in that direction, hoping that you will be able to experience what God wants to unlock in your life. But here's the last thing, and this is where we'll end, and thank you for the time to kind of, I know this was a lot, but to lay this in. Tithing is personal. Tithing's personal, it's personal to God. So check this out. Um, well, we, I don't need examples. So say there were, um, say I was gonna go away for about a year, had to go, maybe it was some type of mission trip, I don't know, not yet. And um, let's just say I was gone for a year and I wanted to make sure that my bride was taken care of. And so I picked I pick three guys and I'm like, I'm gonna give you, um, while I'm gone, I'm gonna give you $10,000 a month while I'm gone. Does that sound good? Anybody, We're like, can I volunteer? Where do we sign up for this? Is there an app to scan? Okay, no. And, uh, and they're like, great. And, and, and honestly, it's just, you know, I, I want to I wanna bless you. But here's the catch of the, of the 10,000 that I give you every month. Every month, I need you to take 1,000 of that and give it to my wife. I mean, I'm going to take care of my wife either way, but I just want to kind of bless her with a little something extra while I'm gone. And ask them, you know, will you three do that? Okay, yeah, oh, absolutely, thank you. Just want to bless you, but I also want to take care of my bride. And so eventually I come back, or you know maybe I'm calling, checking in, and hey babe, how's it going? How's the house? How're the kids doing? Great. Hey, are those uh those those guys that I gave the money to? I get I'll put that down. Um, are they are they are they still doing what they did? Well yeah, guy number one, first of the month, thousand dollars, boom, every month, January, February, February, March, he's been fantastic, awesome, that's so cool. What about what about guy number two? Well he actually was given two thousand. It's like two thousand. That's more that's more than we asked. Okay, you know some people do that. Some people have experienced the goodness of God, and they're like, I want to continue to test. I want to continue to test God. And they do. I said, so, well, what about guy number three? Well, we got to talk about guy number three. Well, what happened? Well, the first month, he sent 800 in. The second month, 300. And, and I actually haven't heard from him in three or four months. What, what do you think I'm going to do with the money that I've been given to guy number three? oh, I'm taking it back. And you know what I'm going to do with it? I'm going to give it to those who were faithful with what I gave to them to begin with. I'm not just going to take it back and keep it. I'm going to find other conduits that I can go through because I want to make sure that my bride's taken care of. Now, here's the thing. Do we really think that if we don't tithe, that God's going to struggle to take care of his church? I mean, manna from heaven, right? God's going to take care of his church, his people, his bride, no matter what. But here's the thing, God is actually looking for an excuse to bless you. And if you don't think that God will withhold from those who do not steward well and give it to others, then just read the parable of the, of, the, of the talents in Matthew. I think it's Matthew chapter 25. And that's exactly the story that Jesus told. He took from the servant who did nothing with it and gave it to the ones who were good stewards of it and made them rulers over cities and rulers over communities. It's personal to Jesus because doesn't the Bible also say that the church is the bride of Christ? Jesus wants to take care of his bride and he wants to bless us in the meantime because everything that we have is a gift from God. And if we will be faithful to the ordinary principles of God's kingdom, he will continue to realize they've tested me. I will be pure to what I've promised them. And now I know that I can trust them and those that I trust, I will give more to. This is not prosperity gospel, guys. This isn't, you know, some, some people, I've, I've had people challenge me on this and say, I can't believe that you would communicate that God is an if-then type of God. If you do this, God does this. I was like, no, that certainly doesn't define God across the board. God is God. God will do what God wants to do. He will, he, will, he will bless who he wants to bless. He will curse who he wants to curse. He will, the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous, but there sure are principles throughout Scripture where God says, if you do this, it unlocks my ability to do this. Yeah. Why? Because God is not a forceful God that forces himself on anyone or any culture or any people. He forgives anyone who humbles himself and asks for forgiveness, but we don't walk in forgiveness if we have not first walked in repentance. Everybody has experienced a fraction of the love and grace of God. If you are breathing and walking on this earth, you've experienced a fraction of the love and grace of God. But it's nothing compared to what happens when you fully repent and humble yourself before the Lord. Because God's, he mentioned in Malachi, floodgates of heaven. Are we we yet seeing the floodgates of heaven flood our churches? I don't think so. We've seen blessing. We've seen provision. We've seen that we're, we're standing in one today. And as a church, we have been faithful. As a church, we've been over the top, stinking generous. And, we, and we're, in all honesty, we're kind of desperate to push the envelope and do even more. Like I want to, you know, organizations that we love and work with, I want to be able to say, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a building that you want? Bam, we got it. Need a fundraise? Fundraise for something else. We got you on this. You hear me. <laughs> to, be to, do, to be able to do things that right now, it's like, wouldn't it be cool if, to get to the point where as a church, we're like, guys, can we find something else? Like, we need, we, we, we need to do more. We've done this, this, and this. We have more to give. What can we do? And then all of a sudden, God's like, wow, they've really tested me in this. Now it's time that I can trust them with this. And God begins to unlock it. <clears throat> Remember at the beginning, guys, this is, where we, this is where I wrap it up. Remember, God said repeatedly to those that are not tithing, you're robbing me. And here's the deal. We're, we're not, if we don't tithe, and the host and the principal, we're reaching and we're stealing, we're taking from, I, I get that, and it's true. But here, here's the reality. God is not relying on you to provide for his kingdom. He's not relying on you to do that. What God is doing is he is wanting to bless you. He's wanting to bless you. So listen, when you read, when you go back, and I encourage you to, when you go back and read Malachi chapter three all by yourself, I want you to meditate on the, on the context. God isn't trying to, this is my Southern, a Southern word. He's not trying to fuss at you for what you're not doing. He's wanting you to know what he wants to do for you. He says, I want to open the windows of heaven for you. I want to remove the curse. I want to rebuke the devourer for you. I want to bless you. But if you don't, trust me in this ordinary principle you are robbing me of the opportunity to do these things thank you again for joining us on the convo church podcast special shout out to those who give so generously to convo church it's because of you that this ministry is even possible if you want to sow into the ministry go to combochurch.com and simply click the give button it's that easy if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories, and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.